0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash try.
1: Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows
0: across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it.
1: Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free, free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, this is Mel, and welcome to another show, and thank you for listening in, and it's great, I'm getting so much feedback from people that are uh, listening to the podcast and really getting their empowerment and getting their answers and getting our love and life right, which is what it's all about. And uh, we've got a great show today and we have lots of, I have lots of great shows and really excited about some of the guests that are coming on in the next few weeks. And remember, you can always add this show to your favorites, so you're always getting the updates. And uh, and I also, you know, get involved in Facebook as well with me. You can get that on my site if you go into my site and become um, hooked up there because you're going to find out what shows are on and what's coming up. And it's all great. It's great, this community of women that uh, is really, of course, helping ourselves. But it's also really great to be able to get the messages out to other women so that we can all get up and, you know, take back our power and be feeling great about being the creator of our reality and doing what we need to do for ourselves to get it right. Well, I've got today on my show, I've got Karen Langhorn follin and she's written a pretty amazing book. And this book is titled, Don't Bring Home a White Boy?, And what this is about is Karen was a former law professor and she became very interested in the questions surrounding interracial relationships. That's quite hard to put together, actually. Luckily, I've had a coffee. After her marriage to her Irish-American husband in 2004 and after receiving hundreds of comments from an essay that she wrote on the unique ways that black Americans were were creating relationships, and this was printed in the Washington Post. She got so much feedback on that that Karen wanted to explore these issues further. And what came from that was, was her passion and uh, her beliefs and, and what the message she really wanted to share in her book. So Karen and I are going to be discussing her book. And through this, it's really interesting to see how with uh, black American women how limiting beliefs can operate and how that really is a global thing with so many women that we can have limiting beliefs and I know I got a lot from uh, from my mom and from my mom's mom and, and I think for all of us, we're breaking out of these limiting beliefs so that we can actually create genuine loving and safe relationships and that's what Karen's all about. So we're transcending beliefs to get our uh, to get our love and happiness right. So, welcome, Karen. Thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Melanie.
1: Yeah, it's lovely, and it's I just love having. I'm I'm really thrilled being the only Aussie on the Snap Out of It network. <laughs> you know, I think it's pretty special, and I wear that cap with pride. And everyone loves my accent. Which, you know, because my accent doesn't mean much over here, but uh, for you American ladies, you know, you think it's cool. And I yes, think your did. accents are beautiful. I love the American accent. So, but isn't it cool that we can hook up from all all the way, you know, across the oceans, hours and hours difference, and we can do this stuff.
2: I think it's amazing. I am grateful for the technology that allows us to reach out across continents, basically, to talk about some of the specific issues that maybe one community of women are facing here in America. But as you said, you know, this is universal. All of us um, import a certain amount of what our culture has taught us about what we should do and shouldn't do, what we can do and what we can't do. And some of those beliefs are, you know, good and sound and worthwhile, and others really do need to be reexamined examined in the light of our present circumstances. And that's really what my book is about, is for black American women, all of the history here in America with um, slavery and the, the sexual abuse of black women by white men during that time, and the history of oppression and so on and so forth, kind of weights down the search for love for for some women. And While I would never want to deny anyone their memory or their appreciation for what their ancestors suffered, I do think that it's important to look around today and understand that that sort of victim position is not where we are now. And that we can be free to express and and to experience love from any man who... Um, meets all of our other criteria, like being a good person and being nice to us and, and being kind and compassionate and having a similar educational or religious or whatever backgrounds are most important to you. And so the book really is about breaking down some limiting beliefs or at least reframing them in ways that are more applicable to the 21st century.
1: I agree thoroughly. And I think, Karen, for all women, we're really needing to step up into this, this updated where we do have rights. And I don't think it's about, it's not about women's lib, but it's really about saying, well, we do deserve and we can make choices and we don't have to follow the patterns that we did. I remember an email I read only a few days ago and it was from the 70s mm-hmm. and it was from the UK And it was about how women should be viewing their husband sexually and about their compliance and, you know, make sure his dinner's there before he comes home. (laughs) And, and yeah, and make sure you don't talk to him about your day because his day's much more important.
2: Oh, my. And there was,
1: yeah, and there was (laughs) all, yes, and there was all of these protocols about how to have sex with him And how to do it in a way that, uh, you know, would be right for him. And, you know, it's true. There really has been this big universal thing that we're all coming out of that was go along, do what's right, do what you're expected to do. And it's really shaken up a lot of things.
2: I I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting that, that... you you found that piece from the 70s today because I happened to be reading a a series of pieces in the New York Times today talking about how um, here... More and more women are making more than their husbands, and more and more husbands are staying at home. So that the yeah. gender roles are sort of reversing, and it, it makes everyone rethink those 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 same kinds of criteria. Many men are now trying to get the table, dinner on the table before the wife comes home, so, and, right. and and taking right. more of responsibility for household chores and for childcare, and. One of the the writers, I I love the way she put this, she said, well, you know, what men value most in relationships often is sex and and, uh, um, not getting nagged, not being yelled at, not getting nagged. And for the men who are, Helping with the childcare and helping with the chores and getting the dinner on the table and and assisting with those kinds of things, they're generally getting more sex and they're not getting nagged. So <laughs> breaking down those old traditional gender roles has certainly has some positive sides for everyone involved. Certainly, um, as women, we have the opportunity to be, to be more fulfilled in more areas of our lives if that's our choice. By you know working and perce- and proceed. Um, going after the things that we dream of. But, you know, yeah. we still, I think most w- women still want a partner, still want a man usually in their lives and, right. and have to really look at what is it that they're expecting from that relationship. And it, it's interesting to me how many very superficial qualities make it onto that list of what we think we want in a mate.
1: Look, here he And I think that's where uh, we have to go deeper than that. We have to look at a lot more of the character. We do. And the things that are going to be creating durable, safe, healthy partnerships.
2: I agree. I agree completely. But, you know, it, it is interesting because... I get, I, I've been getting a lot of mail lately from women who have read the book or who have questions about the book. They're thinking about dating interracially. They're thinking about kind of breaking out of their black box, to, to, to kind of coin a phrase for that experience. And yet, they're very attracted to certain bad boy qualities. Mm, I that, deal with
1: a lot of women with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And universal.
2: It really, really is. They're attracted mm. to, you know, we call it swagger or um, a certain hardness that is yes. defined as, as masculine or whatever. And yes. it, 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 When you talk to these women a little bit deeper, it seems that they have thrown away more nice guys who would make good husbands, good fathers, yes. good providers yes. Yes. seeking this idea of manhood that's actually not really all that positive and usually does not make for a very successful relationship
1: yeah and it's those things that they're attracted to that down the track drive
2: them crazy
1: <laughs> they are the insane.
2: they are those are these are actually the totally. things um, uh, someone told me, and I think this is probably right, that uh, a man told me that the reason that women go after that is because if, it's, it's, you know, nice guys are nice to everybody, but if a bad guy, or a you know a, a bad boy is being nice to you, then you're quote unquote special.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I put my hand up. I I fell for that. <laughs> and <just> destructive. <laughs> You know, and women, they idolize. We can make this mistake of idolizing that man. And rather than looking at it objectively and thinking, okay, well, I'm on the pedestal now, but I'm going to fall into the basket of how he views the world eventually.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And
1: this guy, you know, I'm his special one. and Until you know, you're not. A, no, no. Or you might be, you know, short-term. But then as soon as you start seeing some of those things that aren't right and you, you know, you're starting to question them and you're not giving him that supply of adoration, well, then you're going to be categorized the same as his lens of how he views life in the world.
2: Absolutely. And I actually spent some time in, in my book talking about what, what do we mean when we say a man is a good man? What does that really mean to you? And what, does it, you know, what are you really looking for when you say that you're, you're ready to date, you're looking for, in, in, this, in the specific case of some of the women I was writing for, your good black man? What, is, what does that mean? And, you know, there's certainly not any single definition of what a good man is. Ultimately, a good man is a man who treats an individual woman well, and, and that, that's all you need right there. But so many of the women that I interviewed, had on their list just such incredibly specific and unlikely
0: criteria
2: that it really did make me make me say, Okay, well, you know, he has to be black but he has to be a certain shade of brown because that's the type that I'm into right now. Mm-hmm. He has to be six between six one and six three. He yes. has to not weigh more than, you know, two hundred and twenty pounds or whatever. He has to have a degree from the following school. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes, yes. No wonder you can't find this guy. Yes. <laughs> I agree,
1: and you know, and he might turn up with the swagger, but there's yes, a might. whole lot of other stuff that's missed out on.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, oh. I mean, to to me, you know, these, as I said, these are these are superficial. These are these are all of those things are superficial things. At the end yes. of the day, what anyone needs to be worried about, any man or woman, or you know, what we need to be looking for in partners is truly what kind of people are they and what whether or not they have those you know those qualities of character that are compatible with us and race should not matter you know religion may matter but i think usually it can be worked with if yes, you yes, know I agree. um and 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 that 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 we dovetail in interests and 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 in those qualities and that's that's the bottom line that's
1: uh, look, I agree totally. We are so on the same page. Well, we not, are so on the same page.
2: Well, we're both wonderful. all about love, so I'm not surprised.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And I was you know, really excited when you hooked up and I saw your stuff because I thought, you know, this is, this is a great message. This is, this is exactly what women need to hear. So, so tell, me, tell me a little bit about your book, Okay, so, you know, you came up with your title.
2: The title comes from something that certainly a lot of uh, black American women in my generation were told as soon as they kind of became old enough to be interested in, in boys. And, and the reason it's sort of generation-specific, although I, I do think from time to time younger women still hear it too, but, you know, I, I was born in 1964. I was born, you know, a week after um, the, the Civil Rights Act was signed and Martin mm. Luther King and all of that had just finally achieved integration and the end of segregation for um, African Americans in this country. And so it's kind of significant because I am a child who never knew segregation at all. My parents did. I didn't. Always went to schools with white people. My parents bought a house in white neighborhoods. I mean, so I've worked with white people, and yet there's this sort of cultural limitation that says it's fine to go to school, it's fine to have jobs with, it's fine to, you know, to, to, to live in the neighborhoods, all of that. But... Romance is where we draw the line because when you start talking about intermarrying, you start talking about losing some, or there's an idea that you're going to lose some sense of cultural identity. And so, for those of us who came of age in this kind of transition period, the end of segregation into integration, and you know, not yet into our multi, more multicultural America. Um, we're definitely kind of imprinted with this notion that you could do everything else, but you should marry black. Goodness. And Goodness. and so that's where the title comes from. Is it's something that you know many women who are around my age, or and a little bit older and younger, have said? Oh yeah, they were. T- they told me that specifically. <laughs>
3: you
1: know,
2: that's where the line is. Don't. My parents told me that, or my aunts and uncles told me that, or my grandmother told me that. Don't. That's the line. Don't do Goodness.
1: it. You know, and that's really interesting for us out here in Australia because, to be quite frank, I hadn't imagined that. Because we're actually so multicultural that it's just accepted that you're going to, you know, interracially hook up. (laughs) It can very easily happen.
2: Well, I think it's it's becoming more expected here. I mean, certainly for um, black American men, I think, are feeling no such stricture, no limitation whatsoever. So there's definitely a gender double standard, a gender bias Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So uh, there's just something special, I guess, about um, your daughters, you know, and about women as carriers of the next generation and that special link that we have in nurturing children and wanting to preserve cultural identity. And so, you know, I, I do think that America is becoming more multicultural and more flexible but for blacks and whites for for african americans and white americans there's still that lingering legacy of slavery and there's still there's still racism that that rears its head and makes these things still very difficult and yeah. so one of the things that i you know I talk to about in the book is you know there are all these little notions in here that keep black women from really looking at white men as as partners, and you have to kind of dismantle that thinking in order to be receptive to realizing that not every white man you meet is the direct descendant of a slaveholder and out to re enslave you that is that's that's crazy that's not going to happen. Instead, you have to look at each man according to what he offers. And, and we have to be real about this as well. There's, no, there's, there's nothing to the idea that you know all white men are bad and all black men are good. That's not true. There are black men who are bad for women. There are white men who are bad for, bad for women. There are Latin and Asian and you know, aboriginal men who are bad for women. It's, it's not about a race. Conscious decision. It's about what is this man about?
1: Exactly, because you can have the same race. I mean, we can, we have Australian men out here that enslave Australian women. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So it really is that, that the ability to exercise one's power over another, or exercise power over another, to tyrannize or to oppress another, is is. That's, to me, a gender issue, certainly, because women often face that from men because we usually are weaker and because we are not valued as equally yet as we should be in society. And so, you know, men often have more power and more control, and and they're physically stronger, and they use that. So there there are men who take advantage of those strengths, and there are men who don't.
1: Yes, that's right. And there's also a lot of women that... And this is a lot of the work I do, women learning to value themselves.
2: I think that is so important, Melanie. That is so, so important. I spent a whole chapter on the notion, one of these ideas that keeps black women from dating outside the race, that, you know, white men don't find us attractive. Men of other races don't find black women attractive. And to me, being found attractive by a guy is a state of mind that starts with the woman. And you really have to think that you are cute or attractive or beautiful or whatever the word you want to use, fun, um, Mm. worth being around. (laughs) You have to think that there's something about you that that, that other people want and want to be around. If you don't think that, then that probably explains all of your romantic troubles. Because if you don't love you, no one's going to love you. You're not putting out the sing- signal that you are available to receive love because yes. you don't think you're worth it. Yes, and that's right. When when women aren't
1: self-accepting themselves and aren't loving themselves, well, then what they will put up with is a much less than relationship as well.
2: Absolutely, and I think I really think that they that you can attract that you can attract a a, a less-than-ideal relationship just because you're um, you're thinking of yourself as inferior and you attract inferior. You in attract people who will treat you as badly on the outside as perhaps you treat yourself on the inside.
1: That's so, exactly right. And then you're always going to get what you need
2: to confront, yeah, what you're needing
1: to confront within yourself.
2: I had... Um, An interesting email correspondence today with uh, a young lady, and I I hope she's listening because she was um, um, corresponding with me all day, and I told her I was doing the show tonight. So I'm not going to name her name, but if she's listening, I just want her to know that our conversation today was about this very topic. It was about how it is that you attract the love that you want in your life regardless of the package it comes in. How do you attract the love that you want in your life, whether it's you know a white man or a brown man? or It doesn't really matter. That part doesn't matter. What matters is the equality of love that you have in your life. And I was saying to her, and I know, Melanie, you've said this to many a woman, But, you know, if you do what you always have done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. Sometimes in order to get something different for yourself, you have to be willing to stretch your boundaries and try new things. Do Uh something different. See Uh yourself differently. Put yourself in a position where you have to stretch yourself in ways that you don't even know if you can stretch yourself. Uh But that's the way that you go out on the limb, you, you lower your boundaries and your, your barriers and you, you open yourself up to let something new come in. If you're on the same track from home to work to church to home to work to church to, you know, or, or whatever those things are, because yes. we all have that little wrap race that we run our little our little hamster wheel that we go round and round and round and round and round and you know for some women it's you know home to work to club to home to work to club you know or whatever that is and then yeah. you're of you're, everyone that you meet is the same person is the same kind of person on the same wheel that you've been on mm. and what i was saying to her today was you know it's not where you live. You don't need to move to a new city because all you're going to do is run your hamster wheel in, in, a new, in a new city in the same way. You're going to do the okay. same things.
0: What you have to
2: do is figure out what is something that I've always wanted to try. Yes. Or what is something that I'm interested in learning more about? Or what is something somewhere new that I'd like to visit? Or what is a language I'd like to learn? Or what is a sport I'd like to try? I don't know what it is. It's different for everyone. Yes,
3: yes. And
2: be willing to say, okay, I may have to do this by myself. I may not meet anyone. I, this yes. is not about necessarily where do I find the men. This is about... How do I find out that I am more than I think that I am right now? And if I can find out that I'm more than I think that I am and I can give this a shot with an open heart, there is no telling what you might attract from doing that. But as long as you're in your little hamster wheel, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. And
1: so much of that hamster wheel is about how have I done relationships? And I think with women, generally, there's, there's patterns. There's patterns, whether it's a guy that, you know, I, I keep attracting in and hooking up with men that aren't fully committing yes. or they're this type of man or they're that controlling man or, you know, and, and a lot of what I do too with women is, you know, we really pull all of that apart and we really look at these patterns and how do we get out of the hamster wheel of that pattern? And create a new pattern that you, you do deserve. that, And it may be that the men that you're going to start dating, you're not initially attracted to them because you're attracted to your old pattern.
2: I think that's absolutely right. I think that's mm. absolutely right. I think, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I think there are lots of women who have thrown away good guys because either, you know, they, they just needed that bad boy and they felt like that was what they yeah. deserved or something. I don't know. But you Yeah, know. and
1: often we're doing it, you know, we're doing our father or we're doing our conditioning or we're, you, you know, we're reverting back to those roots and that conditioning and and this time we're trying to get it right with somebody that, you know, may not have the resources to be that right partner for us.
0: We're yeah, trying to change people... our
1: history and uh, we've got to create a new story. So I love what you're saying because it's creating a new story and that means stepping out of comfort zones and hopefully you know having enough knowledge uh and and information about that so you can train yourself to be differently right and get confidence and uh and then it's great you know i know with me you know that my old pattern those sort of men you know doing the work on it i'm not attracted to them they pop up in my life and it's like oh you know, I just don't even like your energy anymore. But that was the sort of men, you know, in my previous life, that it was like, oh, wow. And it's it's a really happy day when we can get to
2: that and get attracted
1: to the things that are going to serve us. Well, you know, and I think the ourself... other thing
2: that, that sort of does us all into is I, I don't think that we know what love is supposed to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I think we're all, swept, we're all swept away on the fairy tale. There's right. supposed to be all of this chemistry and, you know, spark, and it immediately yeah. you look into their eyes and you know, and your heart starts beating fast and all of this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, My mother said, and I did not believe her, but now I know she was right, but she said when I was in high school, I believe. That when you're really in love, it's a very quiet thing. It's none of the the, the heart palpitations, and it's none of the you know uh, um, spark swept away chemistry thing. Yes. Instead, yes. it's sort of the realization that this is a person who you trust, who has your back, who you are safe with in in, in you know in your worst moments. You're safe with, yes. and it's like your best friend kind yes, of feeling,
1: absolutely.
2: as opposed to this, you know, very romantic, sexual chemistry kind of thing yeah. is something very, very different. And I think that that's a part of the message that, that has to get out there is, you know, when you've got all of that explosive chemistry stuff happening, mm-hmm. you have to remember that the same explosive chemistry stuff that, that, you know, makes you feel like this is the one for you, it's the same stuff that's going to blow your house down, burn your house down later on. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's yeah. what chemistry
2: does. It's, it's, it's great when it's great, and it's horrible when it's not. That's exactly. what that feeling does. that's like does. growing
1: up. That's really, you know, the growing up to get out of high-voltage relationships.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. To be able to step back from needing that jolt. And to take the time to get to know someone and let them get to know you with, with maybe no expectations. You know, with, with just, you know, we're just hanging out, we're just going out, we're just, you know, spending time together. Um, my relationship with my current husband started very slowly like that. And I felt like I, we met online, and I felt like I knew him before I ever met him. Because we had corresponded and and talked on the phone for a good two months before I ever laid eyes on him. I mean, I saw his yeah. picture, but and so you know when you when you yeah. build up that sort of trust with someone where you know that you like them and you know that they have good conversation you get a sense of the kind of person they are and 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 you begin to really enjoy their company and so on and so forth. It's not. It's a very different ex- experience than that that you know crash bang swept away um, Mm, mm. stuff that we call romance, which I actually think is very dangerous and I think that we need to undo it.
1: I do too. And I think a lot of things get missed with women when they're doing that instant gratification, very quick relationship. And also too, a lot of unhealthy men will actually hook up very, very quickly. It's one of the classic signs of narcissism is a man will sweep in and hit like a freight train. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So it's a really, really great gauge for women. And, you know, my successful daters, they do it. They do it in a step-by-step thing. And, you know, if a man hasn't got the resources to be a good, durable, stable partner, he won't hang around.
2: Right. So right. right, it really sorts out the wheat from the chaff. No, it absolutely does. I would agree with that absolutely, one hundred percent. And it's that's oh. something that you know I too recommend in in the book in talking about you know interracial dating, and partly because you know again all of that history and culture gets mixed into the mix as well as all of the personality and and and, and uh, you know the, the past baggage that people bring to relationship. You add race and culture onto that, and you have got a lot of stuff going on. So the last thing that you need to do. With When you have all of that stuff to sort out with someone and figure out where their head is and what they're really like and what their agenda is, is, you know, sexual chemistry and trying to rush into um, any kind of physical relationship. You don't need that. You have too much to try to work out where this person is coming from and who they are. So Mm -hmm. slow and steady. let's, Let's talk a little bit about, you
1: know, some of the family reactions with interracial relationships that are still going on? You know, like what are some of the, the beliefs and the stigmas that are still on with that?
2: Well, I think, you know, the, the, the experts, and I did talk to them, um, several folks who have written books and done studies on, on family reactions in particular, and most of them concluded that for black American women bringing home a partner of another race, you're likely to get some of everything. Even though most Americans say that they're tolerant of interracial relationships, when your daughter brings home some guy who's not who doesn't look like Daddy or you know doesn't look like you, sometimes it's tolerance and sometimes it's really not. Um, yeah and And for women, I think again as daughters and 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 because of the roles that women are often prescribed into, it can be a little bit more complicated than when the son brings home a a woman who's of a different race or different background. Some of the family reactions that I'm sad to have heard about younger women um a young woman who is twenty two or three wrote me and said that you know her mother refused to even meet her white boyfriend because she just felt like, you know, that just could not happen. Her daughter could not marry this guy and that she didn't want to do anything at all to encourage it by even so much as speaking to him. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that was that was a pretty serious no, pretty serious, I'm just not. And I do think, I haven't heard from her in a while, I think they broke up. I think it got to yeah. be. Too hard to to fight, Mama. Fight. Yeah, it, it's very very difficult, especially for a younger woman. I think it's very very difficult. So, um, there was another story I heard. I did not get a chance to interview this young lady, but a, a, a story that that um, a man actually shared with me, um, an older man who said that his son had fallen in love with a Black American woman in in college, and he's white, and his son is white, and you know they were very serious. He wanted to marry her. This guy, the father, um, lo- you know, loved her. the The son brought her around often. He just thought she was wonderful for him. He was ready to welcome her into her his family. The- he and his wife had never had a daughter, and she was just like fitting in like the daughter they'd never had, and everything okay. was lovely until she went home to North Carolina with her white boyfriend and got a lot of pressure from her family to break it off. And this young lady ultimately did break it off with the son. And he was completely heartbroken. And so was the father, who said, you know, that he felt he did not understand how all of the wonderful things that they had shared, this young lady and his son, and, and, and indeed the whole family could be completely undercut. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a series of emails I was trying to explain to him, you know, you're up against 400 years of racism. You're up against, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a mindset that says you're abandoning your people, your family, you're, you know, yeah, he's a great guy, but I'm sure she got a lot of pressure at home, a lot of lobbying about being basically a sellout and betraying the race. And mm-hmm. that's, hard, that's hard to deal with if you don't have – the right ammunition and the right words to fire back, and I don't think she did.
1: Yeah, heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a sad story. This is sad. It story.
1: is a sad story, and and as you've been saying, there's well, there's this problem, isn't there, that black women who are single are outnumbering black men
2: that are yes. single. Yes. Yes.
1: So this has got to happen.
2: This has got to happen. This is this has got to change. This has got to change. It. I mean. I, I, I think you know if you look at it on the broader spectrum. I think marriage in America is changing anyway. It's 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 happening later, and you know, as most of us you know would guess, that's largely because, like men now, women have many options to pursue in their early careers, and they're just delaying marriage to later in life. But you know, for for African American women, it seems like it's just not happening. And almost a, a whole generation of women, 70% are single, 42% never married, and that is concerning. That's that's uh, definitely concerning. Okay. Meanwhile, you know, black men aren't marrying either, but I think their reasons are different. I think black American men aren't marrying because they have so many extra women around that they don't need to. Um, okay. They want to be free to play. and. Okay. You know, harems appeal to most guys and it does seem like there are men who feel like, hey, you know, I don't want to be tied down when I can attract, you know, three, four women and circle between them when I want to. And And look, especially, too, when
1: women aren't in their power and don't know how to value themselves enough for exclusivity and commitment.
2: That's absolutely right. And so it's kind of a a catch-22 because the women are lonely and don't want to be alone, and so they put up with... Yeah. Circumstances that will keep them lonely and alone and frustrated because no one likes to, you know, think that they're gonna to get to take their boyfriend home for Thanksgiving and the boyfriend says, Oh, you know, I'm I'm not going, I'm going over to so and so's house instead. Yeah. I mean, then you're left high and dry, you're sad, you're alone again, it's and then he comes back and it's just you know it's too much drama.
1: No one wants Oh that. yeah. And I do, and I have a lot of clients that are really breaking out of that stuff and really, you know, realizing that they can walk relationships and get exclusivity and commitment. And I think, unfortunately, you know, that's been one of the shifts with men and women is that, unfortunately, there's too many women out there that give it up way too easily. Yeah. And a lot of men that expect that that's just the norm. I know. And that's got to
2: stop. Yeah. I I don't know how we're going to stop that. How are we going to stop that? Well, because I'm out terrible.
1: there. I'm out there batting really hard. Don't you worry about that.
2: <laughs> I'm certainly talking about it too. But you know, I don't know if it's if that message is reaching everybody. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm trying.
1: I've, I've actually even written a, an e-book on how to multiple date without the orgasms.
2: Oh, good, so, good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's really about women realizing that, you know, if they're not handing themselves over sexually, men are going to have to step up, which is yes. what they yes. did traditionally. Yes. And, and that's what inspires a man to be a great man for a woman is he has to step up to be with her. And, you know, women think that the connection and the attraction and the sex means an instant relationship. Well, to a man it doesn't. Right. It just means he's having fun.
2: Right. You know, right. That's, no. absolutely right. that's absolutely Yeah. Right.
1: And that women have got to really, really learn that. And then, you know, a lot of that can change. A lot of that, because I think really men ultimately, they do, they're very open to settling down with the right girl, with the for, forever girl. But she's got to stand out as different for him to be inspired and have that impetus for him to want to step up and, and for him, her to be his girl. So this is where women have got to learn that, uh, yeah, so it's really, really interesting because the same same issue goes out here. It really does. You know, statistically, men uh, move on a lot more quicker than women. They've got a much bigger peripheral and they're like, you know, I like dating and I like getting out there and there's lots of women to meet and, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of women that are really needy. And right. wanting a guy, whereas your guy is really like, well, you know, I'm going to go out and bat and have a lot of fun, and I'm going to have women in my life, but something's really got to stand out for me to settle down. And uh, women just settle down way too quickly.
2: I, certainly on the sex part, I do think that that is actually a um, a drawback of the women's movement of of women's very much is, is you know. It, We we are now giving away one of our major assets, one of our biggest powers, and that's not good. That's that's really got to shift back into a little bit more um, of a traditional view, Um, because you know, let's face it. Yeah, fifty years ago, if a guy wanted sex, he was getting married for the most part, or he was going to pay (laughs) one or the other. And now he doesn't have to do either one. So that's that's a problem for us because it is. It is an asset. I hate to put it like that, but it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Karen, we've just got a caller. Okay. So we might just bring them on and see if they've got a question for you.
2: So All right. So I'll just
1: pick up the caller. Hello, caller, are you there?
3: Yes, hi, this is Richard. You guys really need a man. That's why I called.
2: Oh, <laughs> we right? do. Yeah, We do?
3: You're, you're, you're throwing around a, a lot of seeming uh, true statements but they're they're just not first of all um a woman's uh vagina is is not an asset in the terms that the woman just gave it because the largest study ever done on human sexuality was done by the University of Texas at Austin, and it stated of the fifty reasons that humans have sex um uh, men and women have sex for the same reason. the top five reasons are the same for men and women. So women shouldn't be playing this game. If that's the real problem, women tend not to be honest and forthright in terms of what they want from a man. Uh, they play these games. The thing is, is that there are many, many, many men out there, and good men. But women don't want those men. They want the bad boy. They want, they want the excitement. And one reason that they want that excitement. Is because they're dull themselves. Well, Richard, that was a
1: lot of what we're talking about is women stepping up. Well, so, exactly. And,
3: and, and yeah, I yeah, yeah.
1: So, so really, you know, if I can just cut you off there. Sure. Look, really, sure. you know, um, yeah, look, we've covered that off. And, and, look, thank you for sharing. But we've got a fair bit to get back to here. We've only got 16 minutes. So, uh, so we okay. might move on. So thank uh, you. Thank you. Okay, so Karen, we can move on. So tell me a little bit about how does an, a woman, because she's caught in this situation, a black American woman, so how can she honor her ancestry and yet still date or mate interracially?
2: Well, I think living well is the best revenge. I mean, I, I really think that, you know, being able to reach a point of forgiveness with one's racial past and be able to move forward in the knowledge that you carry your, the memory of your ancestors into your life by living excellently, by making everything that you do the very best that you can do, by reaching for goals that they never would have had the chance to, to, to reach for, and by the cultural exchange program that I call interracial marriage. I mean, my husband and I talk about race frequently. We, you know, he's Irish-American, I'm African-American, and when things happen in the news, we have all kinds of discussions. He has points of view that are often different from mine. We talk them out. I learned something, he learned something. Sometimes we argue a little bit about these things, but for the most part we, we, we respect each other enough that that's not the way that we address it. But through our relationship, I think he has been able to see some things that, you know, White Americans don't ever really deal with or experience. And I think that that's a benefit. That's a good thing. That is helpful to the memory of my ancestors for him to understand where it is that I'm coming from on racism or on something that's happened that I perceive to have a negative impact on African Americans. Um, one of the stories that he told me for a moment that, that really got him, where he kind of understood in a way that he never had before, was when our, my mother was with us and we were going in a car ride. We are going somewhere. And my mother's in her 70s. And we were driving along, talking or whatever, and and all of a sudden my mother started talking about when she was a child in the 40s, going places with her parents and how if you wanted to get something to eat, well, you couldn't because every place was segregated, and if you did find a place that would serve blacks, you had to go around the back, and you couldn't go in the front door, and you couldn't get a table because they didn't let you come in and sit down. And if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you had to stop and go off into the bushes, even if there was a service station with a restroom, because blacks couldn't use the restrooms at the service station. Mm-hmm. And she was astounding, as. Yeah, yeah, and that's in, in her lifetime, it's changed that much that she's driving in the car with me and my white husband. And, and he said to me, you know, he, he asked her a bunch of questions, and he said, you know, I like to read history, but it's something else when you're in the car with your wife's mother, with your mother-in-law, and she's telling you the stuff that she has experienced, and I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's close enough for me to touch it, you know, that, that sort of thing. And he says, you know, that's astounding for me. And it made him think differently about a history that he really knows nothing about because he's a white American and because he's, you know, not of that generation anyway. But it's something that he wouldn't even think much about except for what he reads in a history book. Yes. So that that I think that's powerful, and that is what I would say to an African American woman, to a Black American woman who is worried about this issue: is you have an incredible teaching opportunity here. You have, you know, and I'm not saying run out and get a white guy. I'm saying we have an opportunity when we when we meet and when we engage with our, our fellow citizens who are, come from backgrounds that are different from ours to really present and to help them to understand why we're upset about some of the things we're still upset about and to to enlist them in ways Uh that are important to progress. Because most of the problems that our country faces and, indeed, most of the problems that the world faces are not – the problems of any one specific group, they are all of our problems as human beings. And that's what we have to shoulder is we're all responsible. These are all of our problems. We all have a responsibility to figure out how to, to address poverty and ignorance and, and, and um, criminality and, and, and the, the things that prey on our society. So I see it as enlisting support, and I see it as um, socializing him to a culture he hasn't understood in the past and hasn't known much about in the past. But now he has me, and he has my family, and we have a daughter together, and his daughter is part African-American, and so he does not want his daughter to be treated badly. He wants his daughter to be treated as a full citizen with every opportunity. And so he looks at some of the the problems that we still have in our, our country with race, differently now because now he has a personal stake in them that he did not before. And there's such a beautiful opportunity
1: for healing in it all is. Of that.
2: I think that's true. I think that's true. I think oh, that's true.
1: Because I, I do think
2: it's it's oh, important that we do reach healing because I do think that um, our our I think that our cultural isolation and, and that holding on to some of this really terrible history is only hurting our own community, just as any other you know act taken against you that that you hold on to and seek revenge for and and can 't ever forget, ultimately destroys the person who's holding the hate and that 's what it does yeah. even if even if what was done was terrible, you have to let go in order to move on, and we have yeah. to let go in order to move on
1: he hates to that. And that is that is so much of a problem on people on an individual level and people on society level. There's there's no doubt about it.
2: I I think that's true. But it's hard. I mean, I understand how hard it is. I'm I'm mm. not blind to that. I, I I think it's very difficult, especially when, as I said, you know, some horrible things have been done in in yes. the name of white supremacy and white privilege. Absolutely, so. Yes. yes. But. We have to go. We have to move on. We have to reach for what is truly becoming, a you know, the, it's not really about American blacks and American whites anymore. It's the whole world. I'm talking to you in Australia. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the whole world. We're all one. So we we can't just continue to, to see the world in black and white when, when there's just so much more that we have to be able to take in and encompass and, and, and act on and... Be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. I just have to encourage everybody to begin that journey of racial healing. We have got to do it. We have got to do it.
1: That's right. That's right. And take off the masks and take off the personas and take and take off the uh, the programming and and just be people.
2: Exactly. And you know, and I know that it, you know. As we said, it it's it's a process. It's a process. Yes, yes it is a process. If we and could just process. wave our wands, if we would, you know. We would.
1: <laughs> well,
2: we, we would. Well, we
1: we Well, that's what we're trying to do. We're we're waving away, you know. So <laughs> we, care, we are. We're waving. <laughs> but we are waving because it it really is. People are people, and this is all about you know connecting to authenticity and integrity, and looking at what authenticity and integrity really does mean.
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And, that, and that's just such a healing in itself. And you're so right. It is hard to let go yeah. of things that have happened. I mean, we have a whole culture out here where, you know, our Aboriginal community is still suffering. They yeah. haven't recovered from what happened.
2: Oh, of course not. Yeah, it, it takes decades and decades and generations yeah. and generations and generations. Well, that's and- right. Yeah. And then
1: you've got that interracial crossover. So you've got uh, part blood, uh, blood Aboriginals that are more and more integrated. Right. But right. you know the society that is still more the full blood Aboriginal, they probably will never recover. Uh, you know, with what has gone down here over the last two hundred, three hundred years, right, it's right. been it's been very, very extreme. But uh, but but it's sad. It's sad, and it's really being diluted, and their race is being lost. I know, uh, exactly. and that's very very sad. But uh, but we're all we're all people, and and the thing is, everybody wants to have a happy, loving life. So you're right. We've got to let go. It can be hard to let
2: go, but it's a lot harder to hang on I to think that pain true. and that suffering. That's, I think that's true. So. Mm. You know, I I just want, you know, the black American women who are listening to know that that everything starts with you. And that's the reason that I wrote the book I did. I did not write the book, How to Date you know, Interracially. I did not write the book, Go Get Yourself a White Guy. I wrote a book about something that a lot of women in my generation were told, don't bring home a white boy, and other notions that keep black women from dating out, because there are just things that we've all been led to believe, or what we've all been told or heard, that if you've just sort of accepted them without thinking about them, um, maybe it's time to think about them a little bit more seriously. And so what I'm suggesting with the book is really a pathway to taking a look at what ideas you're holding that might stand in the way of a a broader dating pool, a, a, a wider possibility of possible mates. That's all. Yes. And so yes. it's it's really about kind of as you, as you write about Melanie dismantling your own conditioning and your own preconceived notions. It's it's mm-hmm. just that mm-hmm. simple. Instead of looking at every white guy and seeing racist, why mm. don't you you know give him a chance to open his mouth and see if he actually says something that's racist <laughs> before yes. you decide that. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So that so that for me was the point. The point was, you know, everything starts with you. It starts with what you believe in your own mind. It starts with what your limiting beliefs may be about people, men from other races or about yourself, and that's the work you have to do. It's always inner work. It's always in. It's in. It's in. It's always in.
1: Absolutely. And and you know, like what you were saying before, it's about defining you know, what am I going to need and what is going to look like a healthy relationship? And it's not about those outer labels or those outer images. It's about, and it's also about really working on those,
2: those what you want to receive. You, you've got to be reflecting that yourself. Absolutely. Like attracts like, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's a beautiful system when we really do get that right and to get that settled, loving relationship is about getting settled and loving and fulfilled within yourself.
2: Well, I, all I could tell you about that is, you know, I, I and I wrote about it a little bit in, in this book, um, I had been married before and, and uh, I had divorced for about five years before I decided that I wanted to date again. and. I went through a little bit of a period, I was turning 40, and I went through a little bit of a period where I was sort of like, oh, you know, well, I need to drop 20 pounds and maybe I should dye my hair and maybe I should do this and maybe I should do that so that, you know, I'll look better and I'll be able to attract, you know, the best possible guy. And I went through about maybe six months right after my 40th birthday where I was just like crazy. And then one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm sick of all of this. I'm okay. I'm okay the way I am. If I meet somebody who likes me the way I am, that's great. If I don't meet anybody who likes me the way I am, that's great too because this is just, this is just crazy. This is crazy. And so on the advice of a friend of mine who is um, um, a life coach, she said you should make a list of everything that you are that you would like in a potential mate everything that you can actually say that you mirror because you can't ask for stuff that you are not and expect it to work that's why you know women who are who are not financially stable and don't have their own when they want guys who have money and whatever so that they can you know take advantage of that are called names because they don't that that's that's seeking something that is not your mirror. So my friend suggested that I seek my mirror and had me write this list. And then she said, you know, put it in the drawer and forget about it. And so I did. But I didn't completely forget about it because I got online and I started, you know, going out on dates and whatever. And, I, you know, it, it really is true. My Certainly my own story is it really is true that like attracts like and that when you just decide to step out in the certainty that you're okay and that you're worth it, and that you know you're worth being around, you're fun, you're 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 interesting, you're attractive, you're all of those yes. things. Yes. Things happen. Now, I didn't immediately meet the perfect guy, but I did meet the perfect guy. I yes. Did. yes. And we've been married five years now, and. Our anniversary was recently, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, I can't believe it's been five years. It feels like a year. And he said, me too. I guess we're going to be together a long time. Oh, and beautiful. Be. Well,
1: Karen, thank you so much for coming on. I love your message. I love your work. Thank and you, And I think Melanie. it applies to all women. And. You know, and I just love that there's women out here all, all around the world that are really helping women and I think you're doing an amazing job and I'm going to love to get your book and uh, it's fascinating.
2: Well, thank you so much, Melanie. I'm so glad you were able to have me tonight and, and I've enjoyed talking to you very, very much.
1: All right, and you have a lovely night, Karen. And thank you, everyone, for listening in and who was in the chat room. And you can access... So, Karen... If you can just tell people where that they can get your book?
2: Um, You can get it online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and it should be in most bookstores in the U.S. I'm not sure if it's in bookstores yet overseas yet. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure
1: a lot of people are going to seek that out and go for that message because it's wonderful. All right, Karen, you have a lovely night, and thank you, everyone, for listening in. And we've got some great shows coming up, and remember to add this show to your favorites. And remember, heal the past, heal yourself. And, you know, it's all about having a great life. Goodbye, everybody.